you're listening to the Freewheeling Podcast. We are back for the 2022 season. I'm Abby Mickey, and as always, I am joined by Lauren Rowney. Good morning, everyone. Amy Jones. Hello. And back with us for the first time in months, Gracie Elvin. Yay, back on the pod. Very happy to be here, ladies. We're so happy you're back. You've been missed. (laughs) The group is complete again. I don't know how much I'll be able to add. (laughs) We're not the Powerpuff Girls anymore. We need something that's four. Uh, Fantastic Four. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't Sue Storm one of the Fantastic Four? We're going to have to Google that now. What is the Fantastic Four? I was going to say Saddle Club, but that's only three, two. (laughs) Oh, I used to love Saddle Club. (laughs) I don't think they know what that is, though. (laughs) All of these references have gone over my head. What? What? Just showing your age, Amy. Showing your age. (laughs) This is is before social media. Whoa. There was a time. This is before streaming services, even. Yeah, exactly. Good old ABC Kids and... Social media is so, so bad. Come to this cultural commentary podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, we've got a ton to talk about on the road and Segafras scene that happened both over the break and, I mean, in the last couple of days. We are just going to ignore the current kit debacle in women's cycling, (laughs) although I'm sure it will come up randomly throughout the podcast. But... We don't need to talk about it because I'm sure we'll get to it when the racing starts. And we're like, who the F is everybody? I don't know what's happening. Just a sea of pink. Are you going to do any commentary this year? Because Godspeed. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't even know how I'm going to do it this year. Um, I just want to say to the listeners who can't see, Abby's wearing like a tie-dye jumper. And it looks very similar to all of the kits that we're referencing right now. What dream are you representing today? You could pick and choose. I really could. I could pick from a number of different teams which one I wanted to be today. It's I saw this on our on Twitter like so many times, but it's just like they took the Instagram logo and were like, let's make this into a jersey. <laughs> yeah, but like if Biskaya and Andy Schleck could keep their jerseys, there would be what eight teams or something with so that's the thing right because like i know we said we we're gonna ignore this and now we're delving <laughs> no, right into no. it, but that was basically just the lead in but the thing the main the biggest kind of controversy like aside from the fact that like most of the world tour team is going to look the same is i think it's complete shit that the uci have made two continental teams with no budget completely switch up their kit design at last minute just because, well, in the case of Bizkaya, it was just because it looks like the bloody World Tour Leaders jersey that no one gives a fuck about. So Yeah, why do we even still have the Women's World Tour Leaders yeah. jersey? Do you guys remember at the beginning of last year before Ghent Webelgem when I think it was, I can't remember which Italian, no, it wasn't Italian, it might have been French, um, cycling website published like Trek Segafredo racing special purple jerseys in- oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> no yeah. it was mariana voss and yumbo visma <laughs> yeah. wearing the purple yeah. jersey and it was like no no that's the world tour leaders jersey that is like a tradition in women's cycling that is so outdated now yeah well they had it in men's right and then they got rid of yeah, it a long yeah, time ago because no one no one cared about it nobody wanted it they were like this is stupid imagine if you're a world champion and you have to put that jersey on the whole season yeah, fuck, actually, that's true. Yeah. And I also just don't see the relevance of it when there's 25 World Tour races now. Like, it's kind of, it's, it's stupid because there's 
you can't be that consistent over that many races. You have to pick and choose. So therefore you're not, I don't know, the jersey just doesn't have a relevance if it's not a smaller series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like yeah. the conversation I had with Lizzie last year about how as the calendar grows and team sizes grow, leaders can pick and choose which races they target, which is better for them physically and mentally and opens it opens the races up a little bit more. So it just doesn't make any sense with like, I counted, there's 71 world tour race days this year. If the China races go ahead, although that's only three race days, but still there's so many world tour race days this year. It's just impossible to, it's just irrelevant now to have the world tour rankings have jerseys. You can still have the rankings. They still exist in men's racing. Why do we still have jerseys? It just doesn't make any sense. Mm. Also, are they changing the jersey? Because it's like plum purple, not pink. Yeah, it's not even the same color. <laughs> they didn't get memo about pink. But I think Amy made a really good comment there in like they're making changes that affect low budget teams. And that is what really hurts because it's already hard enough for these teams to get to races. And then they have to, they probably printed all the kit, given it out at one of the December training camps. And now they have to redo it all over again. Like, not really ethical in a lot of ways and I mean for the world tour teams it's it's also a bummer because they all spend months planning this kit submit it don't hear anything it gets approved and then you find out via social media you have the same jersey as two of the other teams it's for everyone it sucks I mean it seems like whoever there there's someone at the UCI who's improving approving the kits and like not approving the the continental kits right when they look at the three kits that are exactly the same in the women's world tour and be like, we should probably let them know. (laughs) It reminds me, I'm going to throw back to another old reference. It reminds me of that cheerleading movie, bring it on. And they're like doing spirit fingers. And then the other team does the spirit fingers as well. And they realize that they've like employed the same person. (laughs) So there's like someone designing the same kit for everyone and getting away with it. That's a great movie, and I love this reference. <laughs> also, side note on kit, Bike Exchange just fully went blue for boys, pink for girls. They did. What is that about? At least the mm. women's bibs aren't pink. We can thank fuck for that. So I'm swearing a lot today. That's fine. It's the first episode of the year. It's we gotta like <laughs> it's January. Just really give get people back into the spirit. Look, Abby, I'm really <laughs> looking for the annual kit article from you. I've already decided that I'm disqualifying human powered health SD works. And what's the other one? I don't even remember. <laughs> or you could just do like who did it better and then just compare all the same ones. I could. Maybe I will do that. Who wore it best? Yeah. <laughs> we seen Canyon's kit yet? No. They haven't released theirs yet, and neither has um, EF Education, Tibco, Silicon Valley Bank, although theirs was leaked and then covered up. I mean, well, that shit's pink as well. Very pink. <laughs> very, very pink with, like, blue splotches. So I'm just really glad they didn't also do a fade because, I mean, Bike Exchange, while their kit is very interesting looking they also did a fade so i was like at least (laughs) ef education tibco didn't do a fade but yeah we haven't seen canyon strams although if you go on their instagram their instagram picture is like black with these like blue Mm. spiky triangle things 
<laughs> hey, you know what team we're going to be able to spot real easily? Uno X. Mm. Yeah. They're hard to miss. Mm-hmm. So at least there's that. <laughs> All right. But speaking of money, one of the major things that happened in women's cycling recently is the introduction of the centralized prize money management system. So we wanted to get into this really quick because prize money is a conversation that we had a lot last year and every year. And this new system for managing prize money for the women is going to disrupt, take away, take away money from the riders that are actually winning. Um, Basically, I'll give you some of the bullet points and then we can kind of dig into it a little bit more. The centralized prize money management system has been in place for the men for a bit, and it's run by the CPA where all the prize money, I believe, from specific races goes to the CPA, they deduct percentages, and then they distribute it to the teams. With the new women's CPA, they are now implementing this into the women's side as well. It is not going to be for every race and they haven't actually announced which races it's going to be for, but with a limited amount of prize money on the women's side, there's definitely some issues with this. So who wants to take, who wants to take a stab at this first? Well, I just want to say like, as a founder of the cyclist Alliance today, I'm going to be speaking just on behalf of myself because I have opinions and I don't want to necessarily be representing the Cyclist Alliance in this. But that being said, um, our team gave a really good summary, which is what some of those dot points have come from that Abby just mentioned. And, yeah, there's a lot of red flags going on with this system. And in my opinion, I feel like the UCI and the CPA are quite a hand-in-glove type relationship, which has many other issues that we've read about and talked about over many years. But this particular instance, you know, is it's, it's a quite worrying in my opinion. And I feel like they're, they're just trying to skim off money in every single place that they can. And now it's coming into women's cycling and there's not a lot of money to skim off. And they're also not providing choices for for race organizers, for teams, for individuals to be able to manage their money. So you would think in an idealistic world, you'd get prize money from a race, they'd pay it to the team, the team then distributes it as they wish, whether that be the same cut for 10 riders or whoever was at that race, but to have little bits skimmed off here and there and not fully transparent is worrying because where is that money going? Is it going to the people that need it is it going back into women's cycling or is it just going back into the hands of the people that have shown to be not as trustworthy as maybe they should be in cycling in the first place one of the the scary statistics i saw or just dot points from that tca article was the retirement fund for the men they use it an example and so chunks of money obviously going to this retirement fund to try and help athletes transition but it's in the negative millions 2.8 like how does that happen and then actually I kind of know how that happens because I knew someone who is is was part of the CPA and happened to mention how extravagant the meetings are when they meet so they meet in like 
the Alps of Switzerland and spas and stuff? They throw thousands and thousands of euros at these meetings and where does the money actually come from? Some down in street shit. Yeah. So, Sorry. No, really, really, really good points made there by Gracie, but like there's lots of red flags like she mentioned, but for me that was just a crazy amount of money to just disappear. Oh, they've kind of denied that they've been in so much debt for quite a long time now. They they keep trying to tell us that they're, you know, doing the right thing for cyclists, they're a union, they're profitable, la, la, la. But that's a lot of money to be in in the red. So, you know, what story do we believe, you know? And I just, you have to wonder how many more cyclists are going to retire and, and cycling and will they need to be paid? And then if they were to create a fund for women cycling in the same rough percentages does that mean if a female who qualifies for this retirement payout does that mean it's 100 euros 500 euros 1500 euros is it meaningful enough to make a, any difference in that transition for a female cyclist because in the men I'm not sure what the exact number is but it's um close to 10,000 euro maybe a bit less I can't exactly remember what it is now, but it's enough, you know, if you wanted to take some months or do some study um, to get your, your foot in to something else. So I, it's just, it's crazy to me that there's a monopoly and where all the funds are going in cycling. And I feel like a, a governing body should be just that, a governing body. They should be the ones auditing a system like this, not working to make money off of it. Um, so, yeah, I feel like the UCI is becoming like a mini version of the Olympic Committee in some ways. Mm. The other thing that was a bit alarming, development of National Riders Association, oh, yeah. part, like where races and countries where they do have a riders association that's affiliated with the CPA, it's if that isn't the case, it's like, where does that money go? There's no... Well, we know where it goes, don't we, really? <laughs> I have a question, though. Did the UCI just decide this was going to be the system and that was it? Were the teams asked? Well, so it hasn't actually been, like, I think at the top of this of the TCA explainer, it says, like, the, the model that they write out is, is based on if it was the same as the men's, but there's actually not been anything to say that it will be exactly like this, I think. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. The yeah. The women's one might be a little bit different, but the TCA is putting the men's one forward because the chances that the women's one will develop into something super similar to the men's are high. Mm -hmm. But as far as we know, no one was consulted. Whoever's involved with the women's CPA was consulted. The TCA wasn't consulted and they're also a women's cycling union. And what's the other one? Unio or the... What is... Yeah, I know, but like there's... Right? There's one for the teams. There's one for the riders and then one actually for the teams themselves, right? And that's run mm. by Lorca and who else? Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> Sorry. Uh -uh. I just wanted to open up a can of worms at the start of the year, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I'm guessing that the whole system, I'm just trying to understand it, for the men came about so they can sort of safeguard the money that, like, for example, say you had a dodgy team owner who received the money and then the riders never saw that money. 
and then that team owner drives around in an Audi while the you're really skirting the edge of libel here mate I mean there's yeah there's benefits to having a third party system distribute the prize money um, and make sure it gets to where it's going but the red flags in this system are obviously not great more will come forward about it we're going to learn more about it i assume in the future but the fact that none of the women were consulted it's their money they've won it and they now don't have a say in where some of it is going um where a lot of those women aren't even part of the cpa and that whole situation is kind of i mean it's just like on the men's side where now they're trying to create another union which is who from the women's peloton is actually a representative in the cpa anyone it's kind of there there's a couple of official representatives but it's not like the cyclist alliance where you pay to be a member you're kind of in the cpa you're somewhat automatically a member particularly if you belong to those national federations that were the founders of the cpa so it gets a little bit more murky if you're in a country, a newer country, and even Australia has fallen under this for a long time, less so in recent years. The guest countries. Oh, God. But, oh, yeah, it's quite, Sorry. like, interesting to, to see who is and who isn't represented in, in the point that you guys brought up earlier is, like, where does that nation's money go to then if you're not necessarily represented in the cpa so i guess that's an argument for the cyclist alliance in some ways is why do we charge a membership fee and we've always just been really tried tried to be really transparent about you know how we make money and where we spend it and we always provide the financial sheet at the end of the year that's provided at our agm but um it's effectively a commitment and a, a way to know that you're definitely represented by a union so, yeah, I think the CPA does do great things for women cycling and there's, there's an opportunity that we can all work together and complement each other's strengths and weaknesses because there's some things that the CPA certainly do better or they have better relationships, um, particularly with the UCI because we seem to have zero relationship, unfortunately. Most of our emails get unmet, as you can see in a lot of our articles. We reach out, we ask questions, and we rarely get the answers. So it's frustrating that... You know, we can't get certain information. And when it comes to this particular topic, there's a lot of questions that we wanted answers to because it's not clear and it's not transparent. I'd just like to say off the back of that, like huge shout out to the TCA for doing all everything that they do, but also making sure that they actually highlight things like this because, yeah. I wonder if the writers would have even known mm. that this was happening if it wasn't for the TCA writing the summary that they did no there's a lot of changes that get pushed through that you wouldn't know about because you don't read about it so <laughs> we've got a pretty awesome team in the cyclist alliance of legal professionals media professionals they get all this stuff in information that they can translate into bite-sized pieces and um, understandable pieces for writers because otherwise you'd just be it was. It'd be up to you to trawl through those backlog of things that get passed through the the back channels of websites and emails that you might not necessarily ever receive. So yeah, big credit to everyone involved there for continuing to get that information out because otherwise, a lot of people just wouldn't know. And it's and it's changes and things that are affecting 
the writers and the team. So it's super important that writers do know about stuff like like this new prize money system. Yep. All right. Should we talk about some Australian bike racing? Yay. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> We've had a little bit of bike racing so far this year in the Bay Crits and the Time Trial National Championships that happened today. Today, as we're recording, but the a couple of days ago as this episode is released. So let's start with the Bay Crits. Gracie, you got to commentate on them. Yeah, it's my first time live commentating. So I did a bit last year, but I was just mostly doing like the pre or post shows about all the races, which was really cool. But um, doing live is a whole different beast. And the first races of the year are difficult too because you everyone's kind of changed kit. And some of the Aussie riders I don't know as well. I think if I could see the Welltour Peloton, I can pick riders out by how they look on a bike, even if they've changed kits. But I think if I have to commentate any World Tour stuff coming up, that's going to be another challenge again to remember everyone again after a year away. But, yeah, the Bakerits were great. And they used to be a really big series in Australia. Um, They used to be very well-known worldwide. We used to get a lot of international riders. Uh, It used to be five days of racing and then it was four for most of my career. Uh, And then it's kind of died off a bit the last few years and then COVID didn't help at all. But this year they've really made a big effort to bring them back and it was just a two-day series this year and they used the same course but they just rode it in a different direction on the second day but yeah small fields especially in the women but it was still actually really entertaining racing and it was a kind of a nice intro into what we might be seeing later this week for the national championships the new bike exchange rider ruby roseman gannon won both days of the bay crits yeah, she's a super classy bike rider. She's um she's still quite young, but she's already achieved quite some quite impressive results. Even in my last year of racing, um, she just put me on the line at the national criterium, and Chloe Hosking beat both of us, but it was a close sprint. And yeah, she's super young, very talented, but she's kind of been held back a little bit for good reasons. I I really believe by um, the team the Sunshine Coast racing team that she's been part of for a couple of years, as well as the track program here in Australia. And I think she's just old enough now to completely seize the opportunity to go and race with a world tour team in Europe. Yep. She's um, actually funny enough, the same ages as when Gracie sort of went overseas and, and crushed it her first year. So she, she's definitely a name that I think you should jot down and take note. It is her first year as a pro, but um, I would expect, actually pretty big things from her already this year um she just seems like i really liked her interview at the end of uh no the start of the the second criterium so ruby can sprint but she can also climb like quite well actually so she's a ruler she's going to be very good in the classics as gracie mentioned in the commentary um she'll be probably the next big classics rider uh, for Australia, but her, her comment was really cool in the second day. She can win from a sprint. She knows that, but she wanted a hard race because a hard race is a good race. And um, I really like that. So she's actually my pick for the road race on Saturday. I'm going to call it now. Yeah, I think between her and Grace Brown, and Grace has now left that team. She's gone to FTJ. So I think those two are going to go head to head and I don't really think they'll have anyone else that's close really in terms of matching their 
performance level that they're at. But yeah, the Bay Crits were really exciting and um, dynamic racing in terms of how small the bunch really was. Breakaways that stayed away for a good amount of time, unpredictable finishes, stayed one, uh, came back together right at the finish for the women. And it was a bunch sprint and Ruby kind of navigated her way through uh, with a, a help by Grace Brown in, in a late attack rather than a lead out. So it was cool to see them do that uh, tactic instead of a proper lead out because it was just a bit hectic. And then the second day, another couple of breakaways trying to form and then Ruby just picked the perfect moment and she was the one that initiated a great attack and she only took with her Matilda Reynolds. And uh, listeners might remember Matilda from doing really well in the States last year and winning Dairyland. So she's no stranger to crit racing, uh, a bit older than Ruby, um, maybe a bit more crit experience, but Ruby was the classiest rider on the day and she was super patient. They worked together really well for probably the last 20 minutes of the race, just the two of them, and Ruby just absolutely nailed the last 200 metres and did everything right. So it was, um, yeah, cool to see someone young being able to, you know, be patient, pick the right moment, have the timing, good gear selection, like everything that it takes because sometimes a two-up sprint is just as difficult as a bunch sprint because, I don't know, it's, not, it's just a different kind of pressure. So, yeah, I think big things to be expected from Ruby in this week and the rest of the year. And what will be interesting about the national championships coming up later this week is Ruby, she as a writer on bike exchange, usually she would have the most numbers in terms of teammates at the road race, but with bike exchange kind of going more international this year, they won't have as many numbers as they've had in the past. So Grace Brown, who won the time trial this week and is the, for the second time, the Australian national time trial champion, her being alone or she is alone. She has an Australian teammate, but um, isn't in Australia. So those number, the numbers game will not be as big a factor when it comes to the road race, I think. Yeah. In terms of the domestic st- scene, um, that's where the strength in numbers will come because I think we have two or three very strong domestic teams now. There's been a new team that just formed uh, because Specialized has gone away now and they picked up I believe a lot of their riders. So Inform is a team to look at. I'm not sure. I think Amber Pate, who got second in the time trial, might be an Inform rider. Um, she's also another rider to to look out for. Very young, very talented. I believe she's in the track program as well. Um, and then, of course, the Rock Salt Live Shram, however you call it. I think that's correct, right? Powered by Shram um, team with uh, quite a few seasoned riders in there and some new names and new faces. Interestingly, for the time trial, Sarah Gigante did not race. Not interestingly. She's still recovering. I think that there was an article about it. Um, I can't think of the medical term, but she's still in the recovery phase. So unfortunately, a few of our Aussie riders, Loretta Hansen, Spratty, um, Sarah, have, have a bit of bad luck towards the end of the year with injury and illness. So actually, there's not a very strong presence from the Australian pros. I believe it's just Rachel Nalen, uh, Grace Brown. And am I missing anyone, Gracie? 
you know, I can't think of anyone else that yeah. comes to mind. Yeah, it's very a very different national to what we're used to. So it really opens up the door for opportunities for the national series riders. But yeah, like I said, it's hard to go past Grace Brown and Ruby. And I, like Rachel won't let them out of her sight. Rachel has done nationals multiple times and performed well and she's a clever rider and she's a great climber. So you have to expect her to at least try and stay with them. But yeah, I think Grace will have that great experience and strength. It's a it's a bit like a uh, Ardennes type race, I guess, in some ways. So it's really well suited to her. And I think Ruby has got the talent, but she might not just have that last little bit in the last couple of laps. So yeah, I think I hope that they have a bit of a head to head just for our entertainment sake. <laughs> Will you be commenting, sorry, are you commentating at all at the Nationals, Gracie? Uh, I'll be commentating the Criteriums on Friday night and the Under-23 Men's Road Race on Saturday and then I'm going to be roadside on the Sunday for the Men's and Women's Elite Races. So I'm going to be with Dave McKenzie on the top of the hill calling it as we see it. Oh, fun. Yeah. Super fun. <laughs> yep. Hopefully it's. Not too cold or hot. Rachel Nalen is also going to be uh, in Cofidis kit. Oh, yeah, of course. The corset. Oh, the corset. <laughs> but like we did say in our group chat, it's definitely one of the better kits. You wouldn't have said that like a year ago, but unfortunately, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Context is everything. Contrast is everything. Yeah, seriously. Well, super exciting that we are already back into the racing scene with Australian racing and um, all fingers crossed that this is the last year that we have to go without the Cadell Evans Great Ocean Road Race and Tour Down Under because those races are awesome. So really hope that they come back in 2023 or later in 2022. That's a rumor, but I don't think there's many legs to that rumor. Mm. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Heard that they were trying to build them maybe around the world championships, but I don't really understand how that would really work. So I, I doubt it. I heard that as well. And I think it makes a ton of sense because if you're going to send riders down to Australia for a race, um, like the world championships, if you can throw something else in the mix so that they're not flying all the way down there for one day of racing or two days of racing, if they're doing the time trial, then that is great and also for a lot of small countries they can't afford to fly to australia for the world championships so if the teams are going down to race tour down under or cadell evans race then it works out really well but it's also just well the last time they had the worlds uh in 2010 in geelong they actually put on um it was a national road series race for both the men and the women so if the yeah, all the nations. I think most of them actually turned up, the riders. Um, the big riders just have a hit out the week before. I actually did that race and it was on the Bunningon course, um, but we didn't do all the laps. It was more of a, a flatter course with just a few laps up the, the final hill. Uh, so maybe they'll do something like that because, like you said, Abby, it is a long way to go. I think it's the furthest distance you can possibly travel for a world championships um, but yeah, I, I don't know how that would work because Geelong is, is a very different place to going out to Wollongong, which is near Sydney. Yeah, for sure. And also there's, 
with so many more races on the calendar, especially for the women this year, there would be some overlap with a world tour race for sure. So it would not maybe a year ago, two years ago, the women's teams would look at putting the tour down under right before and be like, yeah, that's feasible for us. But now with the calendar so jam-packed, it's a little bit less malleable for them to kind of do what they want to do. So who knows? We'll see. We'll see what happens. A long way to go until then. (laughs) Long way to go. Just really quick before we transition into talking about cyclocross, we want to make a note really quick about Amy Peters because Amy crashed uh, while out training with the Dutch national track team just before Christmas. And we obviously haven't had an episode since then. So we haven't had the opportunity to talk about it. There's not a ton to talk about. There's not a ton that we know. And that's fine. Um, it's a super sensitive subject. So the, um, respecting Amy and her family and, and SD works and everyone who's close to her is super important with this subject, but we just wanted to quick mention that she's, as far as we know, she's been transported finally just in the last, week back from Spain to the Netherlands. Uh, she at that time is still in an induced coma. Um, after the crash, she was taken to the hospital and had surgery on her head for the impact. Um, so at the moment, this story is kind of a black cloud hanging over women cycling. Um, uh, on the cross scene, we've seen, Lucinda Brand break into tears after winning a race because they're all really close, the Dutch riders. And um, all over cycling, there's been an outpouring of support for Amy. And we feel the same way. So just wanted to mention it briefly um, and keep our fingers crossed that we'll hear good news at some point. And yeah, I'll... I'll all of us are thinking about Amy and her teammates and her family. Yeah. And on behalf of the Cyclist Alliance, we're offering anyone in her close orbit family and friends, if they do need any psychological support, that we have some connections that we are subsidizing if you need to go see someone. So if you do need a bit of extra support, please reach out to the Cyclist Alliance through our website or social media. Okay. Cyclocross. Our chief cyclocross correspondent, Amy Jones, who was actually on the ground at a couple of the races over the holidays. Amy, let's talk a little bit about the races you were at. I was at um, Harenthal's, the last um, X2O race. I was like, I can't pronounce these races and I was at them. The muddy one, my boyfriend owes me some new boots. Um, And the one... Before that was Zolder. Cool. That's right. All right. Like a hundred years ago now, but yes, <laughs> those. <laughs> you, as it usually goes, when you're on the ground at a race, you don't actually get to see like who won or anything. But what are your like? What are your major takeaways from being on the ground at the races? That there, I even without fans, like that, it seemed like there would be so much fun, like with fans. But I had fun even without. Like I think crosses. I'm fully converted to cross now. I love this. <laughs> like it's yeah. And I was like, 
So you're going to come up here every winter now, Amy? Probably. No, actually. Awesome. Now we just have to get Abby to come up. I mean, it's true. Cross is really fun to watch. Yeah. And oh my God, I must have walked so much as well. I was like walking around, like going up into the like forest, trying to find like different places. Just, and because that's the thing with it, right? It's like what we always talk about. We love that like with circuit races, you get to see so much of the racing. Um, and especially with that, because it's like a little bit slower. Like if someone's running upstairs, you can actually like cop what's going on for a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, I was like, I was walking around like, I was there to like, why well, is there with my boyfriend who's racing the men's race, but I'm walking around looking at the women like, oh my God, there's Sana Khan, there's Lucinda Brand. Like it was, yeah. So me just like gushing about that stuff, but no, the racing, um, yeah. It's obviously a shame that there wasn't fans or spectators rather allowed to enter the courses, but um, I can only imagine how much fun it would be with that because it was it's great without so well like you were saying it's um it's nice you can move around and watch different parts of the race but when when there are fans like you fight for your spot and you hold on to your spot and it doesn't matter if there's women and children they get pushed out of the way (laughs) (laughs) yeah to be fair it was quite nice to sort of have like the whole thing to yourself to like like, little private screen yeah and I was I was actually thinking like god I can't imagine like elbowing some like Belgian dude with his boots out of the way, like just you know. But yeah, um, but yeah, like as Abby mentioned, though, like you don't really get that much. Like when you're actually at a race, it's hard to like follow what's actually happening as much. So like, because especially when it's like on a course, like different parts of the course, like something might happen, and then next time some- the riders come around, you're like, wait, where did that person go? What's happened? Um, but yeah that's I mean I guess the major talking point is just the sheer dominance of Lucinda Brand yeah although yeah so she won two of the three that I was at and the only one reason she didn't win the other one is because she wasn't there (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's been just absolutely crushing it I mean she's won like everything she's been at um for weeks and weeks and there's some other talking points i think um in that uh selena carmen alvarado is looking a little bit better she had a rough start to the season but she's kind of chipping away getting closer and closer to the front of races um and the duo of femme van empel and uh denise betsema is also Mm -hmm. a really interesting thing that's going on the two of them are both really strong and they seem to be at the moment the only two that can really fight brand puck peterson is also up there a lot but i think her move is an early move that gets caught um is a move that she's done multiple times now but isn't that betsima Betsima as well betsima likes to go from the gun yeah but she can usually like hang on a bit yeah and i mean puck peter says like she's really good as well um but there's definitely this this fight between the two teammates that's super interesting uh i also can't tell them apart when they're racing usually because they look very similar any, Wait, who? Anyone else? Femme Van Empel and Betsima? Like, uh, I can tell them apart, but they but it takes a second to look at whoever's in front and be like, oh, okay, it's Betsima. Yeah. 
She's got the power braid going places. on usually, Betsima, right? She does have the braid. That's how I can tell. That's like the only way that I can be like, okay, that's Betsima. Yeah. <laughs> so if she were to wear just a ponytail, I would be so confused. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, um, brand on the women's side going into the worlds at the moment looks to be, I mean, the out and out favorite. This is the fun thing about yeah. Cross though, like talking about teammates, like, I'm always like, but are they really teammates or they're just wearing the same jersey with the same sponsors? Like, no, honestly, but, but in the moment, sometimes you see them working well as a team. Uh, I'm sure it does happen in the women, but you think when the Dutch line up at the Worlds, like, I feel like it's just game on um, and any one of them could win. It's like in the, the road, um, the road team can work together, but if you win the Dutch championships, you have a pretty good shot at winning the worlds. I'd say that. Yeah, depending on Ooh, the what you're saying about Marina Voss. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's like the only race that Brand has lost recently is the national championships won by Mariana Voss over the weekend. It was a super exciting race. There was like a moment in a sand pit where Voss just kind of bossed her way through the sand, and everyone else fumbled a little bit and she got a tiny gap that then she was able to just string out throughout the race. And she ended up winning solo, um, with brand second, but it was, and, uh, Carmen, Celindo Carmen Alvarado was third, but the, the race itself was super interesting because of the fact that brand has been so dominant and Voss has kind of barely raced. And with the exception of Valdesol that she won before Christmas, she's not, um, she's not been up there in the races, the World Cup races and the other races that she's done other than nationals. So it's, I wonder if she will race worlds. I think she's down for it. At least I thought so. I mean, I'm assuming that she Pension will. Pension in Yombo Visma, if she's allowed to go to worlds and Wout Van Aert. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only thing is like, Wout Van Aert's not allowed to go to worlds. However, his racing, his like spring targets or way sooner than Voss. The women's season, with the exception of Omloop um, Head Newsblad, her races will, her target races are kind of later in the spring. So I think a trip to the US isn't going to disrupt her road season as much as it would Wout Van Art. But the Dutch have already announced that they're sending a uh, smaller team to the worlds in the US because of Omicron traveling and uh the expense i don't buy that for a second i i think i saw I it, it was announced she that down? she is going yeah so I, yeah i think and she, she loves a good trip to the u.s but i will say this she does um because of the sand i remember last year thinking if if lucinda i, I thought maybe lucinda wouldn't win the worlds in 2021 because of the sand like she's good but she's not the best like in coxedo which is known for its sand, she got third. And then, like you said, Voss bossed her way through, through the sand um, in the national championships. So I guess we're not going to be seeing that as a major factor in um, the US. So we'll be... Depends if they've built a sand pit. Exactly. And I'm not sure. <laughs> if that... Are they yeah. supposed to have? That will be, like you, you mentioned before, hard to look past her. Voss is confirmed for Worlds. Just at, at Yumbo Visma themselves actually tweeted it. Sweet. Four days ago. It's just the Voss effect though, isn't it? She just has something that's something extra. And she hasn't won a world title in cyclocross for ages now. Like, what, 20, 
14, 15. I can't remember anymore, but yeah. In a minute, yeah. She loves winning and if she's going to be there, she's going to try. <laughs> so, Man, I love it when she wins also. She's always just so excited when she wins. I mean, I said this last year too, but it's just, it's like infectious watching her win, the mm. smile that she always has. And this is her seventh Dutch cyclocross title, but not relatively recently. I mean, she's she hasn't been at the top of her game for well, she has been, but comparatively to 2014, 13, 12, she was in in the early 2010s, she was so dominant and the cycling scene has changed so much. I don't think she's gotten any worse. It's just that others have gotten onto her level. But but her winning this national championship, I mean, you could tell how much it meant to her when she crossed crossed the line. And it was really funny. The commentator was like, she's won the Worlds. And then the woman who was commentating corrected him, but it was like, yes, well, it's it's close. It's close. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> like, also <laughs> that she was crying at the Road World Championships late last year. Like she was so close. She was visibly just shattered. And that's like just that opposite feeling to the winning feeling so I think she's got a bit of redemption from the road race mm-hmm. I remember being yeah. with Abby um standing like <laughs> with the Australian national team holding on to the iPad and we're both like screaming oh, we thought she yes, was gonna win yes yes <laughs> no still very, still very excited but still yeah. super excited <laughs> but we were really excited for Voss yeah <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of sand, the Belgian national championships looked just absolutely miserable. Um. <laughs> Standard Belgium. <laughs> oh man, they had they basically just only raced on sand. Uh, Senecant won her thirteenth consecutive Belgian cyclocross title. Um, what a legend! Absolute legend. Uh, but yeah, that sand looked. I mean, they had they had like a full multiple hundred meters worth of sand and. <laughs> On the beach. Oh, man. Well, remember, it, the World like, Championships wow. was so much sand. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. awful. Last, was it last year or the year before? Um, this past Worlds in Ostende. So. Yeah. Yeah. Can confirm, yeah. I think the, the Belgians are very good in the sand. Yeah. But that was won by a Dutch. Correct. On the men's And side. the women's. On the women's side. <laughs> <laughs> And I think they won the under 23 and the 19s, potentially. Damn. Yeah. Just disproved your own theory. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to close my mouth. Uh, other notable cyclocross national titles taken over the weekend were basically just uh, Mayurus and Katablanka Voss held on to their Luxembourg and Hungarian national titles. And Harden won the British title. Yeah, interesting one. Yeah, super interesting. Where's uh, Evie Richards? Is she not racing cross this year? No, she hasn't. I was so hoping she would. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's been ill or she's had a few setbacks, I think. That's fair. I mean, she's the world champion mountain bike. She can. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. She can take a break. There's no need to do what Pauline Ferran Prevost did. (laughs) It just breaks you probably. Or if free mm. Matthew Vanderpool, look at him. He's like tried to do it all. And I mean, he's incredible, but clearly 
you you need to kind of pick and choose. I mean, he's like you pay the price. Yeah, yeah, he's he's out for the rest of the cross season and potentially into many months of the road season as well. I mean, I yeah. think we we've seen this with a few athletes, most notably Voss from the women's peloton when she was doing everything and everyone has mm-hmm. a breaking point. When you're young, it's you can just get away with it. Um but it just takes its toll. So yeah. I remember when Pauline, yeah, she won all three world titles in one year. I think she was 21, 22 years of age. Yeah, that was when Pomferrata World Road Race. Yeah. And then she kind of never really recovered. I mean, she won the mountain bike race, the mountain bike world championships in 2020, but she's still. She was never at her best again on the road. I will say that. After yeah. after that season, yeah. All right. That well, that's it. That's our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we actually had a ton to talk that's about what you today. Get. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because we haven't been around for like a month, there's a lot. There's a lot to cover, and we'll be back. We'll be back next week to talk about Australian national championships and whatever happens, and then we're coming up on the world championships for cyclocross. So thank you so much for listening. Thanks to you three for, you know, hanging out and um, have a great week, weekend. Mm